Win money betting on golf this year. Betting on golf is fun, but picking winners isn't easy. BetSports Golf has the data, tools, and experts to turn your Sundays into paydays. Members get in-depth articles, research tools, and our team's picks each and every week. If you had bet $100 on every wager the BetSports Golf team had recommended last year, you'd be up nearly $10,000. For a limited time, you can head to BetSportsGolf.com to get a special price on a year-long subscription. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Playing Around podcast. You're here with Paige and Sam. And Sam, I was in the Bahamas and I was so excited to stay in the sun and lay out by the pool and maybe get a little bit of a tan. And the only tan I got was a bad sock tan because I was on the golf course all day and I didn't get to lay out at the pool or the beach once that's pretty tragic because you were at a really cool place that i feel like the bahamas is like made for laying out and getting tan especially when you come from this area and in in new york like where you've been um yeah but lots of golf every time i text you you're like i'm on the golf course brb i'm like oh my god again (laughs) yeah so i was in the bahamas for derek jeter's invitational it's uh to raise money for his foundation, turn to, I have been doing this event for, I believe this is my fifth or sixth year. It was one of the first big kind of charity events that I did. And uh, it's one of my favorites and I go back every year, but I, I got to play with Derek. <laughs> Side note, one thing that's really weird is when you're talking about someone famous, how you have to say first and last name. Anytime I'm talking about someone, I always go like Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter. And then when I say Derek, I feel like such an asshole. I'm like, you're, you're not, like, you have to say both names. So I played with Derek, um, the second. Hey, and the- that's actually, that's how I feel when I talk about you, just for the record. I'm like, when I call you P, I'll, people will be like, you mean Paige Spranick? I'm like, yeah, that just P, whatever. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I played uh, with him the last two rounds, which was really fun. Um, he's such a humble, personable guy. And I think sometimes there, during the round, I would just be playing golf with him, shooting the shit. And then I'm like, wow, he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Like you just forget about it. And I'll be on like the bus going to the golf course. And it's like Ken Griffey Jr. and all these like really, really big names. And you just forget how cool it is to be there in the moment because they're all just such really fun guys. And the event is just such a great vibe. But we had a great time. I actually played quite well. The first two rounds I played like lights out, didn't miss a shot. Um, driver was great. You had been very proud of me because you never miss fairways. And I was like channel Samantha Marks. Both names. Yes. Now that you have it correct. Both names. <laughs> how was, how was Derek's game? The first round that I played with him, it was a five person scramble and I felt we had two really good players on the team and then me as well. I got to play from the front tees. And so he really didn't have to do much work. <laughs> and like he maybe hit one or two putts and he, he hit them pretty well. But then the last round was a two-person team scramble. and We were on a team together and he hit some really great shots because when the pressure got a little bit more intense, I did not hit as many great shots as I did the first two rounds. And so he had to save me a bit, but you could see him turn it on when it counted. And that's what truly sets the greats apart 
you know, I was crumbling underneath the pressure and this is someone who, you know, doesn't play at all, uh, he said, and he was still pulling off these amazing shots. And I was like, that is why you are who you are. And that's why I am who I am. They just have this, this gear that they can switch into. And it's really fascinating to watch, even if it's not their own sport, they can just go back into that mindset. And it's, it's fascinating. It's really interesting. Well, don't discount yourself because I've definitely seen you pull off shots like that as well. And maybe it's just, it's more of a moment rather than a consistent thing, right? Like it's hard to feel like that and execute those shots on a consistent basis. That's why, you know, we're not playing pro. Yeah. <laughs> but it, again, it's, it's just different. And it's something that I can't describe. It's this it factor that they have that sets them apart and a lot of people ask me, why didn't you make it on the LPGA tour? And for me, I just didn't have that it factor when it came to that mental toughness. I think with you, you definitely have it, but you didn't have that desire to want to practice every single day and make that your whole life. But you had that. And I was always lacking that. I could do it for fun and practice rounds. But when that pressure was on, I would never rise to the occasion. And I, I could never figure out why all of the sports psychologists in the world couldn't figure it out. And it's just something that they have that sets them apart. And it's, it's cool. It's really cool to see. I do think it's inter it's an interesting point you make about other sports, even like when Derek Jeter and you know, some of his fellow Hall of Famers are out there playing golf. They're not golfers, but you see them pull off these crazy shots. I've seen the same thing, you know, playing with our friend Alexandra and the, and the musicians that we play with. I'm like, Darius Rucker doesn't know how to hit an 80-yard red shot, but then he hits it to three feet to win five grand off of his friend. I'm like, oh, my God, you have that, like, next-level gear. And I think it's interesting how the next-level gear comes out a lot with celebrities in golf because it's not necessarily all sports. Like, not all retired baseball players play any other sport, but they mostly play golf. Yep. Anyone at that high level, even a lot of the businessmen that I was playing with, they also have that competitive edge. And again, it's this intangible thing that you just can't, can't describe and you either have it or you don't have it. And I think you can have it in different aspects of your life because I, I didn't have it in a competitive sports setting, but I definitely have it when it comes to what I do now. And when people see me like, oh, you're so confident, or you know this, or you do that. And I'm like, I don't know how I can do it in one aspect of my life, but I would never transfer over into uh, undoing it under pressure on the golf course. And I'm like, if I could do it here, I should be able to do it there. But it, it for me, it just never, never worked out that way. Getting deep in the first five minutes of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have our therapists on as guests. <laughs> I, I think so. We should actually have a sports psychologist on because we do talk about this so much. And I think people would get a lot out of that if we had someone on to talk about uh, the, the mental toughness you have to have with golf. But Sam, club champion, shot of the week. Was you? Goes to me. It was you. It goes to me. <laughs> well, we weren't there. So paint us the picture. So it was the first round had an amazing group. We started on 10, made the turn. And it is a, like I said, a five person scramble. And we were chasing a group in front of us. We needed an eagle. And there was a par four, then a par five, one and two. And we're like, okay, let's birdie number one and let's get an eagle on number two. Well, we got the eagle on number one. I hit a bomb of a drive and then had about 
30 yards into the green and I hold it. You hold a 30 yard pitch. That's like 30 to 50 yard pitches are like so tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hold it. And then uh, we made a fucking par on the next hole. So <laughs> no, <laughs> pars in a scramble are like, they feel like triples. You're like, this is so bad. Oh, it was such a bad par too. Cause we were green side and two and we had literally 10 shots to get it up and down and we couldn't do it. Wow. Yikes. Big yikes. Yeah. It took, it took all 10 shots. We did nine. It took 10. So was there, was it three days like cumulative and then whoever wins at the end or how, who won? I assume you didn't win because you didn't mention it. (laughs) I came in second three days in a row. (laughs) So it was all different competitions. It would reset after each round. So you had a group for the first day. We came in second, but we actually came in first because they bought a one on a par five. It was for charity. They donated a lot of money, but if you did enough, then you would get a one on the hole. So we technically won by score. And then the second round, we lost by two shots. And I don't know how we lost by two shots because we played lights out. It was one of the best scramble groups with just score. Everyone was hitting good shots when they needed to. The guys were making like every single putt that we had that we needed to make, they made. And we shot 20 under par and we lost by two. See, I think scrambles are tough. Like, I'm not trying to imply that anyone is cheating. However. <laughs> oh, I will. They were cheating. Derek was like convinced that, you know, they were they were cheating because the person who won it has won it every single year. So mm-hmm. it's convenient, isn't it? <laughs> very convenient. Very convenient. And then the uh, last round when it was the two person team, we lost. We came in second, which was oh, damn. There's a saying in my family that second sucks. And you did it three days in a row, baby. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, we'll, we'll get them next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You clearly uh, are a very wanted teammate if they're having you for five and now going to be six years. So I love that for you. But it does sound like a lot of golf. Um, while you were away, shall we talk about what happened at the AT&T Byron Nelson? Sam, I am so upset. I can't even <laughs> tell you how mad I am about this. I have been on Jason Day for the longest time. I had a rant on here about it and I have been picking him. I have been an advocate for him. I've been telling everyone that his game is trending. I make picks every single week. Guess who I did not pick this week to win the Byron Nelson? I'm going to guess Jason Day and then I'm going to guess He went and won. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner and it was not me, but it was Jason Day, which makes me very happy because he is one of the nicest guys on tour. His family is incredible and good for him. Got it done. He's had a bit of a stretch struggling with injuries and uh, not being able to break through and get that win. So it was great to see him win at the Byron Nelson. I mean, his first win since 2018, you've been picking him for five years. And that one week, you didn't pick him. That's tough, man. That's tough. <sighs> How do you feel about him? We're going to get into the PGA Championship preview, but we know he did win in 2015 in Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. Do you feel like 
I mean, the PGA and the other majors besides the Masters, they play at different courses. I don't know how much him winning the 2015 PGA at Whistling Straits like really has to do with no. this week, besides that he won last week. But is he somebody now you're going to get back on? I don't think so. It's really hard to go back to back. And even though his game is in a good spot and he has some confidence, it's a very difficult golf course. And he's still prone to some injuries. And that rough is thick, Sam. Like, add as many C's as you can to that. It is thick. Maybe and, even a Q. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just add it all in. And I worry that if he hits it in the rough, which he can be a little erratic with his driver, that he could re-injure or irritate his back or wrist or neck because it is so incredibly heavy. I've played Oak Hill before, and it is one of the most difficult golf courses that I have ever played. This was just a normal week when I played it. And if you miss the fairway by just even a golf ball, you cannot find your golf ball. I lost four golf balls that day because the rough was so heavy and so thick that you just could not find them and they just sink down. It's not the type of grass where it will sit right on top and just, you know very nicely just kind of perch up, it sinks down to the bottom and it gets completely covered by all of this very thick grass. And you're going to see guys having to just chip out um, because it's going to be impossible to get anything over probably a seven iron out of that rough. There's nothing more demoralizing as an amateur golfer than playing somewhere like that and hitting hitting a shot that was like, it was okay. It was, it was off a little bit, but it wasn't off enough to lose your ball. And then you lose your ball and it's like, dude, Really, like I could have at least gotten out of the rough, but now I can't find it. That was, it's so hard. I mean, I, you know me, I don't want to play golf courses like that anyway, but I feel like that's something that's, I mean, regular golf courses aren't really set up like that, but if we were to go play Oak Hill, I'd be so frustrated. I mean, I don't miss fairways, so it'd be fine, but. <laughs> There's a time, true. There's a time and a place for everything, but I prefer to play easier golf courses. And I have been playing up tees a little bit more than the tips because I just enjoy having wedges into the greens now. The, the last round in the Bahamas, they put me back with the boys and I had five woods in, I had five irons, I had a three wood in on one of the holes. And although I could manage and get my way around the golf course, that is not enjoyable. And especially playing a really hard golf course, I think there are certain golf courses that you want to play at a championship condition to see what it feels like. But by the end of that round, you are drained mentally, physically, you want to never play golf ever again. And it's difficult. So I always tell people move up, make golf fun, because it can really drain you when you are pushed to those limits. And going back to the Byron Nelson, it was really nice to see these guys shoot really low. You were looking at the leaderboard at one point, it was like J day was at 20. And then everyone was like, there were six people at 19 and 10 people at 18. And it was it was it was a race. It was exciting to see. But then on the other side, Sometimes it's really fun to watch these guys just struggle around a golf course and have really tough conditions. What do you prefer? I mean, I've always been somebody who likes to see the low scores, but I think the fact that the majors are, for lack of a better way to put it, like once a quarter, it gives us that little itch where we get to see the players struggle, and I feel like that's good. I feel like if there was no struggling, it would be annoying because you want to like relate to the players a little bit even and that's why <laughs> we've talked about watching women's golf and how how more people should watch women's golf to get 
more that feeling of relatableness for how far they're hitting their clubs um, or, you know, learning a lot from the women. Um, and I think that that's something that, that people should lean into a little bit more. Um, but I mean, I always love to see birdies and I, I love to hear the crowd roars when I feel like they're definitely louder and more enthusiastic when you're hitting shots close for birdie rather than sinking a par putt. I don't think people realize how difficult they have to set these courses up to challenge the guys on tour. I was even talking to Natalie Golbis in the Bahamas and she was like, these fairways are so wide. It was so nice. And I'm like, <laughs> are we playing the same golf course? And it just shows you how they completely transform a golf course. And even when I played Oak Hill, it was so fucking hard. And it's not even at the same caliber that these guys are going to see the golf course. It is truly impressive how good they are and how low they shoot for how hard these golf courses are set up. Yeah, I, um, I'm not jealous of not finding my ball in the rough. Um, speaking of the PGA Championship, give it to us what we got. So it is at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York. It is going to be an interesting one because they haven't held a championship here in over 10 years. So when you look back at other championships, there's a bit of course history and you can see which players are going to play well. What you're looking for on this golf course is great ball strikers and guys who hit it really far. It is a par 70, but it is playing over 7,300 yards. It is a beast of a golf course. You have to hit fairways. You have to hit it far. So I'm looking at a lot of players like a John Rahm is going to be, of course, world number one, but he's a great ball striker. Brooks Kepka could be in the mix here, but there are two players that I am fully avoiding, fading hard. That's Rory and Hovland. I have picked Rory and Hovland so many times and it always bites me in the ass. I don't know what is up with Rory and every single time I say this and I'm not on his side, he ends up fucking winning. But when you look at you know how he played at the Masters where I thought he was going to get it done, I was feeling so confident about him and this course sets up perfectly for him because he hits it so far and high. Great ball striker. He should play well, but I just, I'm not feeling good about it. How do you feel about Rory? I feel like he's been a mental head case for the past few months. I think he's gotten caught up a little bit in being the PGA Tour spokesperson against Liv and being very outspoken about his thoughts on everything rather than focusing on hitting the fucking golf ball. And that's like frustrating as a fan. And I mean, I'm not like the biggest Rory fan in the world, but obviously I want to see, I want to see him play well. He's a great spokesperson for the game in the PGA Tour, but I saw um, in his press conference at, at the PGA, he was like, yeah, I brought my swing coach up from Florida. Like we're really getting after the ball striking and everybody on Twitter was like, yeah, it's about time. Like, what? Like, where has this been for the last six months, year? So I don't know. I mean, his, his last start at the Wells Fargo was 47th. He missed the cut in two of his last four starts. It's it's a concerning stretch. But like you said, I feel like he's one of those players, whenever you fade him, he like hears it or like he like senses that people aren't picking him and then he like gets mad and wins. So I don't know. Every time, every time. We were talking about him being a spokesperson person for the PGA tour and he is very outspoken. And I felt like in the past that got him going, but there was a switch. And we talked about this on the podcast before when they were talking about the golf ball and he was in favor of rolling the golf ball back. And he got a ton of hate 
on social media. And since then, he hasn't been playing as well. Do you think that he does see and hear and can gauge the public's reaction to him? And do you think that affects what's going on? Or do you think that he's just a bit burnt out by all of this because he's been having to be the leader of the pack when it comes to all of the controversy? I mean, if I were him, I would be exhausted as being the person who I feel like everyone needs answers from and wants to hear from all the time about stuff that, I mean, he's not really even involved in. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting, and our friend Dan Rappaport tweeted this, so shout out, but um, he noted that Justin Thomas, I think we talked about this two weeks ago, said, you know, when he turned 30, JT said, you know, I'm not where I feel like I should be. I wanted to be 20 wins by the time I turned 30. Like, he basically said, like, I'm not satisfied, right? And then Rory today, complete opposite, goes, if I don't win another golf tournament, I view my career as a success. And I find that to be very interesting, the complete polar opposite views there um, in JT and Rory. So I don't know what's up with him right now, um, but I think it's concerning. (laughs) I'm very excited to see how he plays, but I feel like in in his past year-ish, it's just been a struggle. Almost feels like he's trying to talk himself into being happy if he doesn't win. That's a very odd thing for him to say because you're always looking for that competitive edge. What we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, the guys that can just turn it on and get in that mindset and have that that killer instinct. And JT definitely has it almost to his own detriment. I feel like he puts too much pressure on himself to be successful, to be a winner. And maybe Rory has that behind the scenes and he's trying to take some pressure off of himself by making those quotes. But that that is surprising. It just seems like he is really happy outside of golf where a lot of athletes need fulfillment by getting wins and accolades. And for him, he's like, I have my family. I, I make enough money. I want the betterment of the game. And that's what makes Rory fulfilled. And that's okay too. Yeah, it definitely is. And I know I'm just like press conference regurgitating right now, but there is one thing that he said that it goes exactly to what you said a second ago. Someone asked, do you ever go back and look at events you've won? The PGA in 2014 is what this reporter was questioning. And they said, do you ever go back and watch it? Rory said, yeah, sometimes. The reporter said, there was a ruthlessness about the way you were that final day. Are you still that way? And this is what you were just talking about, like how he could kick it into that second gear. Yeah. I mean, this is almost 10 years ago now, right? And Rory says today, yeah, I find that being that way is pretty exhausting in life in general to be that ruthless. And it's not as if I can't get into that mode, but I don't feel like I need to be that way to be successful on the golf course. I feel like that's a really hot take because you can look at guys like JT and Brooks who need that second gear to get into, to be able to compete and hit those shots. And Roy is just like, yeah, I don't really need that. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe let's try it. It's it's all about sacrifice. I think that you can definitely turn into that mode, but it's like method acting where it bleeds into your personal life. And if he does value his family and quality time, you have to be selfless to be able to be a good partner and a good father or mother or whatever it may be, a good friend. And to get into that fighter mode, you have to be selfish and He might have a hard time turning that on or off, all speculation, but if you look at a lot of really successful athletes, 
most of the time there is some turmoil in their personal life and that could be a bit of a correlation but then you have someone like a roger federer who is so calm so composed you can tell he has this this competitiveness about him but it's not the same as if you looked at like peak tiger very different yeah i completely agree um, so you said you're definitely fading Rory and Hovland, which I've never been on the Hovland train. So I completely agree with that. So you say you maybe like Brooks and Rom. Is that who you're going with this week? Tell the people. Who to pick. Yes. Tell the people who to pick. You got to go with, you got to go with John Rom. I mean, he's playing so well. World number one course sets up perfectly for him. Brooks Kepka is another guy that you need to look out for. Of course, he plays really well when he has some confidence on his side. Although he faltered a little bit in the final round at Augusta, I still think his game is in a good place. And in his own personal life as well, he just announced that him and his wife Jenna are expecting a baby boy, which is really exciting. And I think when things like that happen, it really pushes them to play even better golf. Max Homa is another guy that I'm liking this week. Of course, he is a fan favorite and the obvious favorite to win the U.S. Open at LACC. But I feel like that's a lot of pressure to put on someone, and I'm sure he's grinding for that. And this could be a really great place for him to get it done. Xander Schauffele is another great player that I'm liking. Xander and Max are in the same boat for me. They have the complete game. They have a game that can play on championship conditions, but they haven't won a major yet. And I don't know why, because they are two of the best players out there. And I think once they get that win, floodgates will open for them. Who are you liking? I definitely like Homa as well. Um, one of the things that I noticed today when I was doing some research is top 10 players in the world who are trying to win their first major is like you said, Xander, Max, and then also Patrick Cantlay. Um, I think Patrick Cantlay always kind of just flies under the radar. I feel like he's a very forgettable guy for better, or for worse. I mean, that might play to his advantage, but um, I definitely like Max Homa and I don't, I want to, I always want to pick Scotty Scheffler. You know, I'm a huge Meredith, yes. Meredith Scheffler fan. Um, I don't know how I feel about him this week. I feel like, I don't feel like he gets outwardly temperamental like Spieth does, but I feel like he's easily flustered. And if he starts missing that driver, like we know he can do, I feel like he's going to get a little frustrated. Obviously I would love to, I'm still going to put money behind him. I would love to see him win. But um, as of right now, I would probably go with Max and Patrick Cantlay as we're looking in the top 10. The interesting thing about Patrick Cantlay is I always seem to forget about him. But he has been a hot topic recently because of the slow play. And how do you think that is going to affect him going into this championship? Because all eyes are going to be on him to see how he's going to play. Quickly or slowly? <laughs> I don't really think he gives a fuck. Like, I seriously don't. <laughs> like, based on his comments that, that was after the Masters and then the few weeks after that, I just feel like he's answering them because he has to. I feel like in, he's going and texting his friends like, dude, I don't fucking care. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And, like, until I get in trouble for it, I feel like he's one of those guys, right? Like, until his mom says no, like, he's really not going to care about it. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll play really slow and get a penalty finally. Maybe we'll get some PG drama. <laughs> At some level, you just have to respect that. Because if I knew even one person was talking about me being a slow player, <laughs> I would lose sleep over that. And he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> Literally. there is There is some kind of respect for that.
Do you want to improve your game faster and hit your driver longer? The good news is ShotScope can help you achieve your goals. ShotScope has products for every golfer, such as GPS watches, laser rangefinders, and shot tracking devices designed to lower scores and improve your golf by over four shots on average. I use the Pro LX Plus rangefinder on the course to get my distances. What I love most about ShotScope is tracking my game and reviewing my stats. The great news is your personalized stats are completely free with no yearly subscription. If I can use it, anyone can. Jump over to shotscope.com today and find the perfect product for you. And remember to use my code page at checkout. Anybody else um, who you like, maybe that's not in the top 10, I was looking down like, I mean, you can't pick, can't pick Ricky Fowler, can't pick down that far. Who else are you liking? Um, I think Dustin Johnson, he just won at the live event recently. He has been winning a lot while he was been playing on live. And then another guy that can hit it very far, good ball striker. If he can get the flat stick going, that he's another guy that you want to look out for. But everyone is on Adam Scott. His game is trending. He's having a bunch of really great finishes and he's actually picked up distance in the last couple of years. So who knows? Maybe we might see Adam Scott back in the winner's circle. I don't, I don't hate that pick. Um, I especially don't hate having to look at the winning picture of him holding the trophy. I would say outside of the top five or 10, it's crazy to call Tony Finau a sleeper because he's 25 to one, but I would say Tony Finau or maybe even a Sam Burns, like somebody who can hit it really far and, and keep, I feel like Sam Burns is more level-headed than he should be for like, I don't know. When I look at him, I just feel like he would be someone who would have the temperament of like a Brooks Kepka or somebody who gets really frustrated, but he doesn't. And I feel like that could play to his advantage this week. Someone to fade this week is Cam Young. He shaved off his beard and looks unrecognizable. It was shocking and we have seen this before anytime someone has shaved off a full beard they have played shitty so fade cameron young having children and shaving your beard do not bet on them basically (laughs) getting married having kids shaving beards yes (laughs) i love it well it'll be a fun week watching the pga championship um let's get into some tna let's do it how has being a top-level gymnast helped your golf game, if it has? This is, these are all from the question and answer box on OnlyPage. If you want to ask Paige a question, head over there. I would say that I had great body awareness, flexibility, strength, and a work ethic. At the age of nine, I was in the gym six days a week, eight hours every single day. And you are just accustomed to pushing your body to the limits. And I think I've been able to carry that into golf and then also into my everyday life of just always working hard and not really knowing any other gear but the fastest one. Besides that, I think that it hurt me more being a perfectionist because in gymnastics, everything has to be perfect. Your feet have to be pointed. They have to be straight. They have to be together. You have to hit the perfect positions because it's all about getting the highest score you possibly can. And that's very different than golf where there are no pictures on a scorecard and you can get it around the golf course multiple different ways. And I spent so much time trying to have the perfect swing and hit all these positions and play golf at at this level that is unrealistic. No one plays perfect golf. And so that was something that I always struggled with. And I think that's kind of the, the, 
the core of my my issues when it came to golf on the mental side was chasing perfection and knowing that you will never ever get there and also with gymnastics if you work really hard you're going to be successful it's quite opposite with golf you could work really hard you could eat right you could focus on your fitness you can read every book do every mental exercise you can visualize all of the above and you could still lose to someone who got blacked out drunk the night before and is painfully hungover and i could not wrap my head around that and that that really frustrated me so pros and cons to both but i think in the end it actually hurt me a little bit more when it came to golf when did you and how did you make the decision right because you were doing both for a while there no so i was only doing gymnastics and i was 12 almost 13. i had two very bad injuries i fractured my kneecap twice just didn't enjoy it anymore and so i was sitting with my parents one day and I would, I would cry every single day. I'd go to the gym because I was so unhappy. I hated it so much. And they just said, we're going to give you a break. Take two weeks off and just reset. And we'll decide if you want to continue or not continue. I took one day off and I said, I never want to go into the gym ever again. But I want to be a professional athlete. So what do you think I would be good at that I could take it to the professional level. And so my aunt played professional tennis. They brought her out, put me through boot camp. I think it was a bit too similar to gymnastics with all the running. And I just, my body just needed a break even, you know, at 13 years old. And so my dad took me out for uh, one day on the driving range, hit that first ball good and was addicted ever since. But I wish I stuck with tennis because I think I would have been a much better tennis player than I was a golfer. I feel like what gets both of us in golf is kind of how slow it is. And I'm not talking about slow play, just like there's there's too much time to get in your head. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like this is what affects a lot of people, even amateur golfers. Like when there's you, there's not much time to think about it when the ball is coming back at you in tennis. Um, and I feel like in golf, you have a little bit too much time to get in your head. Well, that and it, I hate it. It was like you against the golf course and you couldn't see what anyone else was doing. I am better with head-to-head -head competition. So with tennis, I think I actually would have thrived in that environment because it's not that I'm not competitive. I'm only competitive in certain ways. And I think I need to have that head-to-head -head for me to be successful. Like I was an amazing match play player. I was such a great match play player horrible stroke play because I would just get in my head and you're right, you're out there for five and a half hours just you know, twiddling your thumbs basically and trying not to talk yourself out of it or keep yourself in it. And with match play, it's like, who fucking cares? You could blow a drive and lose one hole and that's fine. You can get back on the next hole. And that's what I liked about it. I did not, I, I hated stroke play. I wish it was only match play. Well, and in match play too, you're only playing that person, right? That's all yes. that matters at that moment, which is so great. <laughs> you only have to be just a little bit better than them. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, what I, I always loved about match play is what you said. Like you, you eject one OB. Okay. You lose one hole. Now you're not down five shots. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I think is so much better for us mentally. Um, okay. Would you ever get into acting? <sighs> no, I don't think, I'll never say never, but I struggle with memorizing lines. That is one of my weaknesses. It's one of the worst things that I, when anyone gives me a script, I have a really hard time memorizing it and then re repeating it back perfectly. So I don't know if 
with acting, like how much you improvise to not or, you know, like how it actually works. But if there's like a full page script, I don't think I would be able to memorize it. It's just something that I, I can't do. I really can't do it. You like to take your the script or the bullet points and make them your own. I don't necessarily think that that means you're bad at it. Oh, no, I am bad at memorizing lines. <laughs> like, really bad at it. I, I mean, I'm okay if it's a short line, but if there's like a full page dialogue, oh my gosh, it would just give me a lot of anxiety and I could nail it, but I would have to put so much effort into being able to memorize it. And I think that would be exhausting over a long period of time. That's fair. If this wasn't your job, what would you be doing? I would be a golf coach for sure. Golf instruction is my most favorite part of what I get to do. Even now, I love doing golf instruction. I feel like that is my biggest strength. And if I wasn't doing this, I would still be in golf and doing golf instruction. Love it. Someone asked, how do I approach my gym crush? This one's, this one's hard because I think back of like times where I was at the gym and you're mid-set and someone comes up to you and you're just like, oh, or even on the golf course. I think if you're looking at someone and, and they have headphones in, probably just let it be and try to catch them either on the way in or on the way out. And so that way it's a little bit more casual. I think when you are disrupting someone during their workout or rain session or whatever it may be, if they're fully focused in on what they're doing, it can be quite distracting. And a lot of people don't want to break that time because life is hectic. And sometimes you only have an hour or 45 minutes to get your work done. And people view the gym as a bit of their sanctuary. And so disrupting that flow could really be a detriment when you're trying to approach someone for the first time. So wait until they're done or when they're first walking in to approach them. That was my exact advice because I feel like I feel like getting interrupted by anything when you have headphones in is like my number one pet peeve. Like I clearly what? don't yeah. want to like I clearly don't want to talk to you right now. Oh my god, it's so annoying. Um, okay, favorite toppings on pizza, and do you like pineapple on pizza? I do like pineapple on pizza. I wouldn't say that it's one that I would pick first. But I do enjoy a Hawaiian pizza with some ham and pineapple uh, or Canadian bacon and pineapple. I think that's really good. I love pepperoni. I think that's definitely my go-to. But my second favorite is black olives, green peppers. The face I'm making right now, you guys, who can't see me, that is, that is foul. That is foul. That is a foul decision. I also like uh, pineapple. I like it better with sausage, like Italian sausage. Oh. But I will say my favorite pizza lately that I've been on is a good Bianca, a good white pizza. Never fails. I'm not a huge fan of tomato sauce, like spaghetti sauce with a red sauce that they put on. Yeah. Um, I tweeted about this the other day. I saw somebody on the plane order tomato sauce to drink just in a cup, no ice, no vodka, just tomato sauce, straight to jail. You mean tomato, tomato juice? Tomato juice is what I mean. Basically the same thing. I mean, they're literally drinking spaghetti, warm spaghetti, no ice. It's just one thing, I guess, if it's a Bloody Mary, even though I still don't understand the Bloody Mary hype. I don't get Bloody Marys. I feel like that is the two worst things to put together, vodka and tomato juice. And then like, and then they'd be make, they'd be doing too much. Like I have a list actually of things that took a good thing too far. Bloody Mary's is one of them. Cause then they put like all the shit on top. There's a place oh. in Chicago that does a whole slice of pizza. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll get it for the pizza, but not for the actual. I thing. mean, but they have to do that because 
Bloody Marys are disgusting. They're like, okay, well, I guess we need to add bacon because who is going to drink this without some bacon with it? It is disgusting, and I've tried. And then they add Tabasco sauce to do it. It's like thick. It's like a smoothie. And then I see people order like bottomless Bloody Marys. I'm like, are you okay? No, I never got that. I don't get the hype. It's gross. Sorry from going from pizza to Bloody Marys, but anyway. Um, someone says, which of your golf towels do you rock on your golf bag? I, oh, Sam, I have bad news. You I lost, lost my I lost my banana towel. So I have well, had this banana towel on my bag for a very long time. And it's my favorite towel from Dynamic Brands, uh, Devon Towels. And I lost it, which I'm very upset about. But I'm sure I can get another one. But that was always a towel I'd put on my bag. I don't have the ones of me on my bag. I feel like that is a bit too narcissistic to have, like, you know, naked me on my bag. But I might have to now because that's the only towel that I have left. Well, two things on that. One, that was the dirtiest, most disgusting towel I've ever seen in my life. And you refused to wash it. Have you thought about maybe I stole it to wash it? <laughs> Checks out. Checks out. Maybe that's where it went. And we did also lose it in Chicago and it miraculously appeared again. I lose that thing. It's like the, the sisterhood of the traveling towel. I swear. I lose that thing everywhere and then it just shows up. Oh, well, I have your Maxim towel on my bag. Do you? So I do. Oh. Of course I do. And the head like cover. That. Yeah. I always get comments on it the few times a year I play golf. Okay. Last question. And I will say this question gets asked five times a day, every day. Yes, How is real. Nico? Where yeah. is the Nico content? If you're not with him, you need to at least be having your mom send you photos of him to post for the masses. Oh, 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 Nico. Yeah, Nico is thriving, living his best doggy life ever. I travel a ton. And so Nico stays with my parents when I travel. So I never have to board him or get a babysitter. And my parents love Nico. Babysitter. Sorry. Babysitter. Doggy. <laughs> Doggy it is a babysitter pretty much. I <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a babysitter. My parents love Nico more than they love me. And they treat that dog like a king. He is living his best life. And so every time I go back to Colorado, he's there with them. And uh, yeah, it, it was just the, the best way that we could give him the highest quality of, of life because I, I just never wanted him to be in a position where if I was traveling or if I was busy during the day, he had to live in a crate and there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, he's just, he's the best and he's great. When there's another option. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I'm not, I'm not shaming anyone um, yeah, no, I know who, who does that. I want to make that clear, but yeah, he, he, he is beyond, beyond spoiled beyond spoiled. He, he lives the best, best life. Well, I'm excited to see him next week. Yes. Yes. You will be um, in Colorado. You'll get to see the king himself <laughs> living his, living his best doggy life. I'm so excited. I think he likes me. now. I think he loves you. Like he's, he's, he's difficult to warm up to at first. And then once he likes you, he's like obsessed um, with you. So he, he loves you. He will be excited to see you. But yeah, no, he's he's the best. It's funny because when I do post him again, everyone's like, this is the content we're here for. Everyone is obsessed with Nico. They love Nico and for good reason because he is definitely one of the cutest dogs. He's in, he's in a head-to-head -head competition with 
with Sam's little baby. Okay, how cute was that photo last night, though? Oh, my gosh. Bailey is one of the cutest. We have, I think, the cutest dogs. You know what we should do? (laughs) I don't know what you're about to say. We should put a poll up to see which dog is cute. No, we are not doing that. We are not doing that. Because Bailey's going to win, and then you're going to be really sad. Bailey has one of the cutest faces. Her face is just so cute. She has these big puppy eyes. Uh, Nico does as well, but there's just something about Bailey's face. She just she photographs really well. She does. You should get her into doggy modeling. Is that a thing? She has an Instagram. I never post on it because I can't fathom posting on another Instagram page. So Ori, whenever I take a picture, my boyfriend's always like, post it on her Instagram. I'm like, I don't even know the password. I don't even know. It's a whole thing. But um, I think we, I think that just put an idea in my mind. We should make a boobs and Nico t-shirt. I'm shocked that we haven't done that yet. Or even boobs and dogs. Boobs, dogs, and golf. (laughs) I mean, what else do you really need? Nothing else in life. Not a Bloody Mary, I'll tell you that. (laughs) And that wraps up this week's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. We're excited for next one to see who is going to be the winner of the PGA Championship. Don't forget to leave a nice review. Follow us on the Playing Around Podcast account on Instagram. Send in any messages, questions, suggestions that you want. And we will catch you guys here again soon. Thank you so much. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers download the PointsBet app today and sign up in any of PointsBet's live states with code PAGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager and bet credits. Again, that's promo code PAGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet your move. Call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net.